0: All carpenters start out stupid. (laughs) Wow. Nice intro, right? What's your problem, man? All carpenters start out stupid. I'm not picking on carpenters. This is true for everything. When you're first learning any skill or trade or just about anything, you're not good at it. You make choices you shouldn't. You get things wrong. You fail. And you learn. And after enough failures and enough learning, you hopefully become a smart carpenter who can build things that are strong and stand the test of time. When you need a carpenter, you look for one that has experience. Uh, One that knows what they're doing, right? When you're renovating a house, unless you're incredibly adventurous and brave, (laughs) you don't hire a brand new first-time carpenter. Why? Because you want your renovation to be done well. On time, under budget, if that's a thing. But mostly, you don't want to worry about your house caving in. So last winter, um, Michaela really wanted us to renovate one of our bathrooms, taking out an old shower and installing a bathtub. Our house had no bathtub, and Daisy was getting too big uh, to fit in our sink, which was really sad because it was adorable, giving her baths in our sink. Um, And on top of that, Michaela's happy place at the end of a long day is in a warm bathtub. So ripping out that shower and replacing it with a tub was a total no-brainer for us. Now, I'm a pretty handy guy. I can fix just about anything. Um, I grew up around power tools, fixing and building things with my dad. And these days, with YouTube tutorials, you can do just about anything. But I'm smart enough to know I'm not a plumber. And I I know myself enough that I know that I would go crazy trying to line up tile and so I didn't want to try to become a a plumber or a tiler. So we knew we were going to hire people to actually install the tub and actually install new tile around it. So this meant that demo and installing new backer board was up to me. Now, demo is the easy part. I mean, it wasn't easy. It was really messy and really difficult. And uh, I don't know if you've ever chipped or like removed tile off of walls, but the adhesive used to stick the tiles on the wall smells really weird when you start to break it off i can still smell it uh anyway um as you already know when demoing for the most part you're just breaking stuff and i i'm good at breaking stuff i can do that all day so that was fine i can smash tile off the wall i can pull down drywall it's the rebuilding where i get intimidated so i got the shower stripped down to just studs Uh, the the plumbers then came and rerouted some pipes and installed the tub Um, And then one of them pulled me aside and showed me where I needed the backer board on the wall to come down and meet the tub. And I nodded like I knew what he was talking about. And then he kept saying backer board. And and so I gathered the courage to ask, now when you're saying backer board, you mean drywall, right? And he laughed because clearly I was joking. Who in their right mind would install drywall in a tub area behind tile, am I right? Well, um, I wasn't joking, (laughs) I've never renovated a bathroom before and I wasn't 100% sure what backerboard was and drywall is what I removed from the walls. So that's what I was planning on putting back up. For those of you who are like me, backerboard is is like drywall, but it is not drywall. It's made of this kind of cement-like composite that's waterproof which is a big deal, uh, that you put behind tile in places like showers and baths that are going to have water on them. Because drywall ain't waterproof, people. So whoever originally built our bathroom is a jerk. Or maybe it's just a carpenter who is still stupid. Anyway, once the plumber could tell I wasn't joking, (laughs) he explained uh, all of that to me about backerboard. And with uh, now zero confidence in my ability to understand anything he was saying, which was really fun. Uh, The plumber then also told me I needed to build a little wall in front of the tub to secure it in, to which I said, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, of course. As confidently as I could. Um, I mean, I I knew some kind of wall needed to be built there. I've seen a bathroom with a tub before, but I didn't know how I was going to do that. So the tub's installed, the plumbers leave, and after making a few more drywall jokes, and I then do a bunch of research on backerboard and how to cut it and how to install it. I go to Lowe's, I buy a bunch of this stuff, and I get a scoring tool, because that's what people on the internet said I should use to cut it. A scoring tool is basically this weird little knife thing that has like a spike on the end kind of thing. I don't know, it's hard to explain. You can look it up. Basically, you take this thing and you scrape it along backer board where you want it to cut. You score it. You score it over and over, and then you can kind of break the backer board along the score line. Easy enough, right? Well, it is not easy. Again, backer board is cement. It doesn't score super easily. And I spent hours trying to score this stuff and kept making weird cuts that didn't fit the measurements I needed. And it was very, very, very frustrating. Eventually, I had Justin Phelps, who many of you know because he's been a part of TNL forever. I asked him to come over and help me build that tiny wall that I pretended to know how to build. Justin is an incredible carpenter, and he helped me build that tiny wall in like 20 minutes uh, because he's an incredibly smart and skilled carpenter. Anyway, I think that he could tell (laughs) that I was struggling with the backer board. (laughs) So he asked me how I was cutting it, and I showed him my scoring tool. And he took one glance at it and said, go outside and throw that thing as far away as you possibly can. It's worthless and will only make you angry. Let me get you what you should use. He lives pretty close to me. So he returned, he ran home and and returned with a grinder, which is a tool I didn't know existed, but sounds as cool as it is. It's basically a power slicer cutter, man, it does so many different things of uh, to so many different kinds of material like it can cut through anything if you put the right blade on it um and it cut through backer board like butter i'm not kidding it was so satisfying especially after using that stupid scoring tool so suddenly i could make tons of cuts quickly and accurately and the backer board was up in a few hours if it weren't for justin i'd probably still be trying to score that stuff with a blunt little scoring knife balling my eyes out because I was a stupid carpenter. I'd never done it before and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I didn't know. Like a smart carpenter does. <laughs> a stupid carpenter puts drywall behind a tile in a bathroom. A stupid carpenter uses the wrong or really inefficient and ineffective tools. A stupid carpenter builds their house on a foundation of sand. This is the exact metaphor that Jesus uses to close out his Sermon on the Mount, Um, a smart carpenter versus stupid carpenter. We're gonna look at what he says. I'm actually gonna start at about the middle of chapter seven rather than the very end of chapter seven, because there's a few things that Jesus says leading up to this little story or metaphor that I want you to hear. Uh, So we're gonna be starting Matthew chapter seven, um, starting in verse 13 and ending with verse 27. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, fire easy-going formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practiced sincerity. Chances are they are out to rip you off some way or other. Don't be impressed with charisma, look for character. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. These diseased trees with their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burned. (laughs) I'm not laughing because it's funny, but because it makes me incredibly uncomfortable, which is probably a good thing, I think. Jesus's words like these should make every pastor at least a little bit uncomfortable, right? Luckily, charisma is not a quality I have much of at all. Uh, Anyway, continuing on. Knowing the correct password, saying and calling me Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus ends his sermon with a pretty clear choice for his listeners either apply these words to your entire lives or don't follow me at all. If you work Jesus' words in this sermon on the mount into your life, so if you realize that God is for the outsiders and the outcasts, the people we would never assume he's for, the poor in spirit, the mourning, the meek, the not yet righteous, if you begin to see your purpose as being the salt and light of the world, the means through which God wants to bless everyone around you, if you internalize the commandments and let them shape your heart and character rather than treating them as a checklist towards holiness, if you act in generous and loving ways, even to your enemies, if you trust God for what you need and stay present in today and what He's doing right in front of you, if your pursuits are humility and grace and forgiveness and love for those around you, if you treat others the way you want to be treated, then you are like a smart carpenter building their house on a firm foundation, you'll develop the inner character to withstand life's many storms. Even when you lose everything else, you will not lose your character, your heart, your spirit, your very self before God. But, Jesus says, if you don't take his words seriously and don't actually embed them in your life, then you're like a stupid carpenter who builds their house on sand which quickly crumbles when storms come. So, if your life isn't built on this foundation of love and grace, you will not have the inner strength to weather the storms that will surely come. Basically, if you don't work Jesus' words into your heart, and minds, and hands, then hearing them at all is utterly pointless and a waste of time and resources. That's the gist of what Jesus is saying. Either follow me with the entirety of your being, or don't follow me at all. There's no in-between. Now, there's a few things I want to quickly point out here. First, storms come to both carpenters' houses. Being a smart carpenter following Jesus doesn't mean that you don't experience hardship. It doesn't mean that we don't experience suffering and tragedy and trials in our lives, but it does mean when these inevitable storms strike, though we may lose everything else, we will not lose ourselves. We will not lose... um, our identity in Christ, because we are grounded in the ground of all being. Everyone goes through storms. The difference is how we emerge after the storm subsides and the waters recede. The second thing I want to point out, all carpenters start out stupid. (laughs) You don't know how to build um, your house on a firm foundation of rock and not sand. You don't know to do that until your house is crashing down around you, or you watch someone else's house wash out to the sea. How do you think humans first learned how important a foundation was? I'm sure it came through things breaking and falling apart. And when that happens, you learn and you rebuild your house on a better foundation. I can't help but wonder how many of us feel like our houses have crumbled during this current storm of pandemic that we're just beginning to emerge from. Maybe this storm has exposed a lot about yourself that you didn't know or weren't willing to acknowledge before. Maybe this storm has exposed how unanchored your inner life really is. Maybe the storm has revealed deep fault lines in your character. Maybe the storm has made it clear that you've built your house yourself on sand. None of us are smart carpenters automatically or by default. None of us are born wise mastery, wisdom, intelligence, and maturity are all fostered through a lot of time, a lot of storms, and a lot of failure. A lot of rebuilding over and over after storms come and show us our weak spots. So, if your house is sitting in shambles, you have a choice. Double down and rebuild the exact same way, or learn from the storm and build your house on a better foundation. You have an opportunity to use the storm to your advantage and take steps into greater depths of mastery, wisdom, and spiritual maturity. There's no, there, there is no shame in needing to rebuild. We all have to because all carpenters start out stupid. Learn from your mistakes and learn from the other carpenters that you cross paths with trade that scoring knife for a power grinder. Trade that sand foundation for one of rock. Living a life that is truly founded on love, love for God, love for others, love for self, is a life embedded in the surest foundation that will withstand all the storms that come with life. I really encourage you to go back and read this Sermon on the Mount in its entirety sometime this week. It's Matthew's, uh, Matthew's, Matthew chapter five through seven. It's not that long. But if this were the only piece of scripture we had, it would be enough. If even half of us who claim to follow Jesus actually built our lives around what Jesus teaches here in these three chapters, the world would be a far better place. Heaven would be much closer to colliding with earth. It's time to go outside and check your foundation. What is your house built on? Maybe it's time to rebuild. May we all find the strength and courage to grow into smart carpenters who build their houses grounded in the ground of all being. May we open ourselves and allow Jesus' words to embed into our hearts and minds and hands. And May we all live lives marked by radical love and grace for God, each other, and ourselves. Amen.